Hey guys, welcome to the 35th episode of the Indian Market Story. As you already know, uh, particularly most of our returning viewers will know, that we're here to talk about India's journey to $5,000 in per capita GDP. And one of the most interesting features of that growth is how the Indian population is graduating from our basic needs. So Pella, it was roti, kapra, makan, and now we're graduating into discretionary expenditure and lifestyle expenditure. And one of the most important components of lifestyle expenditure is healthcare expenditure, and particularly improvements of quality of life through healthcare. So we've addressed that in some format in a previous podcast relating to hospital stocks, but I wanted to try and approach this from a really different perspective. And that's why I have with me today, uh, Mrs. Vidhi Merchant. She's the founder of The Mood Space, as well as a counseling psychologist from Columbia. And uh, she's here to talk to us about her journey as an entrepreneur, the health tech space, and uh, generally talk to us about how mental health and you know health tech businesses are helping to improve the lives of Indians as well as grow the economy. But uh, before we get into heavy subjects like that, Vidhi, uh, mm-hmm. why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, about your journey to becoming you know, a counseling psychologist and, and what mental health means to you? Sure. Thank you, Varun, for having me. Um, let me take a step back and take you to my background and how I ended up becoming a counseling psychologist. Um, so I'm originally from a tier two town, Bhavnagar in Gujarat. And uh, I did my schooling over there. Post my schooling in um, 10th grade, I moved to Singapore in a boarding school. Um, Now, when I talk about this, it's always um, like, wow, you moved from Havnagar, a small town to Singapore. It must have been amazing. But very rarely do people talk about the challenges that I have faced in that time and the kind of culture shock that I went through. Um, It was very easily spoken about um, like over these bunking classes um, Mm -hmm. you know she's not doing well in her grades but very rarely was the background taken into consideration Mm -hmm. at that point and of course at that point I was not aware that I was dealing with certain challenges because of the impact uh, this entire transition had on my mental health because it wasn't spoken about at all right anyways moving on I moved from there to the US go to University of Virginia where I did my bachelor's in economics Uh, I started off by doing economics but realized in my third year that, okay, this is not for me. And again, that came with its own set of challenges that there was a lot of career confusion. There was a lot of anxiety around that career confusion, not knowing what I'm doing in life. But again, that would never, never turned back around and got attributed to mental health. Mm-hmm. It was always like, oh, she's a girl. She's going to figure it out. You know, she's not going to join a family business mm-hmm. or um, she doesn't have to take a particular career mm-hmm. trajectory. It's okay. She can do what she wants to do. So while there was a lot of freedom in terms of one, you're, it's okay if you do what you want to do. Um, but again, the mental health part was what uh, got missed out at that point. And I only realized after I graduated in my third year, I moved on from wanting to do economics to wanting to now do psychology because I started realizing uh, the importance of uh, just understanding human behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, that must have been a really rewarding journey personally. Because I think knowing yeah. about your struggles, yeah. to, to learn about them from a psychology perspective, yeah. that must have felt really freeing. It was. And uh, the funny part is that it was all in hindsight. Mm-hmm. This had happened to me mm-hmm. versus um, actually catching it right when mm-hmm. it was happening. Um, so I ended up finishing my psychology degree, came back to India, realized that it's not just me. Um, most of the youths and the young adults that I was talking to were on a similar journey where mental health was not something that was touched upon. Um, everything 
that happened never got attributed back to mental health mm-hmm. but mental health was a very important part that uh, mm-hmm. was playing in young people's lives so i went back to do my masters and i decided that okay i want to be a counseling psychologist um and i went back to new york went to columbia completed my degree um and then yeah then came back so that's yeah. been the journey so i think that's a i think it's a really important point you brought up right? you know i think mental health in india is just not a conversation that anybody's having right um i guess what i wanted to what i want to go from there is how did that lead you from you know being a counseling psychologist and a mental health practitioner to becoming an entrepreneur in this space because yeah. that in itself like you've made you've made a jump from bhavnagar like to singapore to mental health uh, specialist yeah. and now an entrepreneur yeah. that's a lot of jumps but how did you make this jump from yeah. you know a, a psychologist to Yeah, yeah. I think if you if you had asked me then I probably didn't know that I was going to go down this trajectory. Um but there were certain parts that were really clear to me, right? Like because I realized that the gap was so large um in India that I didn't want to just be a counseling psychologist who's running a private practice and dealing with maybe five clients a day mm-hmm. um and talking to five clients a day. Um so when I came back from my masters I went into a different trajectory where I got myself involved in the HR space and the recruitment space I mm-hmm. worked as a school counselor and I think all of these different experiences when I was taking all of these different experiences I think what what was getting clearer is that I don't want to do a 9 to 5 job I want to do something that is going to create a larger impact mm-hmm. um So my passion for wanting to create a larger impact and then also doing research and understanding the gap that was there and the challenges um of uh, mental health stigma that are there in India I think this came together where um I started thinking more on the lines of accessibility mm-hmm. again that tied back that okay Bhavnagar doesn't have um you know private practitioners or even if they do then it's a small town people are going to know about it there's a lot of stigma attached to it so um accessibility in terms of going into remote areas and also providing quality healthcare is became the core focus of what i was looking at doing and then ties in the therapy component of course so, so can you tell us a little bit about mood spaces i guess product or service offering and maybe a little bit about the business model as well so we get yeah. a sense of the business um so we started the mood space in 2019 just before covid and um, lovely time to start something like that you know you yeah and who rate. knew that uh, you know a year down the line when just about in that time that our operations were kind of settling in uh, we got that boost where mm-hmm. everyone was then talking about mental health yeah. um so we started the mood space we spent the first 6 months just doing a lot of research and understanding the business understanding mental health in india we did a lot of research around it um and and there's a lot of data around how india is known to be one of the most depressed countries in the world i was reading an article the other day and and there you read that india is also known to be the world suicide capital and you don't know that these these are really intense labels that are being used uh, one out of five people are dealing with mental health conditions and these are really um, qualified research publications who are talking about these these yeah, concerns yeah. um so doing that research we realize that the gap is not just about people not understanding and knowing about mental health but the larger gap is people knowing about mental health but then not knowing what to do about it right and that's how the mood space came to life that we want to address this gap where we want to now show people what they can do once they know that they're dealing with a mental health concern mm-hmm. um so 
we started off with one on one uh, talk therapy for individuals it was a completely retail model that we started off with uh, we started vetting psychologists because that's been another concern that there's not enough uh, service providers in the country mm-hmm. uh, and quality service providers so mm-hmm. we started vetting service providers and we onboarded a bunch of uh, psychologists on the platform and the the simple model was that we are going to provide you with one on one talk therapy which is along the lines of traditional psychotherapy so it's not a quick fix it's not a one session solution traditional psychotherapy is a long term solution you need to be in therapy for a longer time period so that your therapist is able to work with you and navigate through all the life's challenges um, that you may be dealing with mm-hmm. so one on one therapy um, in terms of our model we went ahead with a, a differential pricing model where mm-hmm. we said that one session let's say one session is costing 2500 rupees if you invest in your mental health we will invest in your mental health as well and we will drastically drop the price to 700 800 rupees a session if you are to stay in therapy for a longer time period so that was the initial model that we started with and two years back we moved to the uh, we shifted our focus to corporate partnerships because we realized that now post covid mental health uh, has been accelerated it has been highlighted across india companies are now wanting to provide mental health uh, resources to their employees as an employee benefit and we saw this as an opportunity to come in and partner with larger organizations this way one we are able to get a retainer revenue uh, coming in mm-hmm. but at the same time we are also able to impact and get access to a larger audience which yeah. is our target audience being yeah. young adults who are dealing with um, a lot more burnout a lot more pressure a lot more stressors a lot more anxiety and at the same time these are the people who are also willing to take therapy yeah i think uh, i think that's a really uh, it's a really wise pivot because if i look at uh, the way indian healthcare is structured a little bit i think there's a lot of healthcare distribution through corporates yeah. like i think there's a lot of corporates here that buy health insurance policies for their employees and stuff like that so i think going the corporate route is a is a really great way to access a number of yeah. people so um what don't we what don't we pick up some numbers i guess just in terms of how you guys have scaled with the employees partnerships uh clients sure. just to give sure. you know, our viewers a sense of how things have gone sure so currently the team is around uh we're an internal team of around 50 people with about 100 uh, psychologists on the team um in terms of numbers the way the our structure works is everything is based on the principles of trust safety collaboration and also giving people the autonomy to choose um right so starting from our initial journey uh, we have a team of uh, we we call them the care team these are the people who are actually talking to individuals who are coming through on our website on our social media pages uh, because it's it's a very sensitive and an overwhelming space to be in we realize that we need to kind of combine technology and human touch to be able to serve the audience in a better way so let's say in a month we are up talking to about 5000 people and then we are seeing about 10% people coming in and actually taking the uh, talk therapy services that we offer okay so that's 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 about the b2c side of it in terms of corporates we are constantly onboarding about 5 to 7 corporates every month in different capacities right one is talk therapy we're doing um, webinars we're doing workshops we're also providing them with self help tools um, because everyone is not going to take therapy everyone's not going to attend a webinar so we want to offer a comprehensive range of services so that everyone is catered to in a different way 
And the third thing that we started doing is partnering with insurance companies because they have a larger pool of corporates that they work with, but they, where they're already providing uh, healthcare services. So we tie in with the, the, these insurance companies and then we work with them to provide mental health services. That's very, very interesting. Yeah. So I have, I have a slightly specific question here. I would think that one of your most pertinent challenges here is getting a lot of psychologists on board because that's the, um, I, I guess that's your primary yeah. service yeah. channel, right? So there's, there's a need to bring a lot of people on board. So how are you facing and addressing that challenge? We actually realized this was a concern the minute we started. So which is why when we started in 2019, we did not directly go into providing these services. We spent about six months doing a lot of research where we started building a database of therapists. So today we have about 2000 therapists who have already applied to the mood space. So it becomes very easy. We don't have to go hunting for therapists. From this database, we constantly keep interviewing and having them go through different interview processes, um, vet how they are, understand their qualifications, and we start hiring them. So, so far, it's it's come through because we've already caught this problem long back. Um, we're able to uh, bring on therapists very easily. Very nice. At this point. I think, I think that's really good because then you solve one of the most pertinent challenges of supplier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I guess let's move on from the mood space a little bit because um, the other really big topic I think we want to talk about is health tech and health startups in general in India. Yeah. And uh, I guess I'll, rather than talking about how mood space fits into this right right at the top of uh, right at the top, why don't we talk about the health tech space in India in general? Because yeah. I, that's something I have very little understanding or knowledge of, but I'm sure you know it fairly well. So <laughs> sure. why don't you break it down? You know yeah. what, what's happening in health tech in India? Um. So talking about the health tech space, um, there is a big part of technology where now we're getting into, for example, patient data analysis is, is one thing that's Mm-hmm. is one thing that we're doing at the moment. There's improved and increased connectivity in terms of internet penetration, like I mentioned. So overall, just the health tech space is seeing a big boom. Um, and which is also why foreign markets also want to invest in the Indian healthcare space at the mm-hmm. moment. Um, they're also saying that it's going to be a $25 billion market by 2025. So, which is a big um, that's, that's quite a big number. Yeah. yeah. So, um are there any like health tech unicorns you're looking up to? Are, are there any health tech unicorns at all in India? There are a couple um, a couple of companies that got an early advantage like Practo, for example. Oh, yeah. Was yeah. an early advantage. Uh, they were the early movers at that point of time. There are other companies like Healthy5Me. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a Google-backed mental health company called Wisa that is mm-hmm. focusing on AI and how uh, they're, it's, it's more data-driven this point of time. So there are a couple of companies. There are about 10,000 health tech companies in India at the wow, moment. Wow, that's a huge um, number. And it's a huge number and it's still growing, especially the mental health space because um, while there are a couple of companies that are doing some really amazing work, uh, people are still questioning scalability, mm-hmm. right? So the entire focus currently is now moving to how do you build tech, but at the same time, leverage that personal touch and personal connection. Uh, to be able to provide those services because these services are highly sensitive. People who are coming in to take these services are extremely overwhelmed um, in life in general. Yeah. So how do you kind of cater to all of these people with the right amount of trust and safety that you will bring in as an organization? Right. Um, so, so trying to figure this out is a big question that investors typically end up having, even for the mood space when we're looking for funding, it's a big question that how are you going to scale up and look at volumes, but at the same time, take care of the quality um, Mm -hmm. and help people because people want human touch. People don't want to just 
uh, rely on AI. Yeah. So I think finding that right balance is what health tech is trying to do at this point of time. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. So I have a specific innovation I want to ask you about. So in the financial services world, we have something called Sahamati or account aggregators, which in, is meant to, and I think we're still maybe a couple of years off that, enable financial data sharing from what's called financial information providers, which is like your banks, insurance companies, uh, broking companies, yada, mm -hmm. yada, yada, onto financial information users, which can, in a lot of cases, be the same companies, but a bunch of different companies. But the core point is that it's easy and it's very possible for any individual's financial data to move based on that, that person's agreement and, and consent from one provider to another. And my understanding is the government's also building something like that in the healthcare space. So have you, uh, have, you, have you heard of that? Is something really going on there or is this just a pipe dream? I have heard of it, but I also feel like it's extremely uh, dicey because uh, you're dealing with highly confidential information. You're dealing with uh, uh, personal information. And I don't know how willing people are going to be to um, allow this level of data sharing to happen. Mm -hmm. um, so we may see it, probably we are going to see it a couple of years down the line. But currently, if you ask, it, uh, people are iffy about uh, this data that sharing. Sense. Yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. I think it's a very sensitive topic to have. It's very sensitive. Uh, it's very personal. Uh, people are scared. There's a lot of fear around these things. That makes a lot of sense. So another another topic I want to maybe touch on, switching gears completely, is um, you're obviously a female entrepreneur. And that comes with its own set of challenges, or at least so I understand. Yeah. Um, do you want to maybe expand on that journey a little bit? Because I want to try and throw some light on that subject. I think... If an entrepreneur is dealing with, let's say, level three, um, level three challenges, then a female entrepreneur is dealing with like level five challenges because uh, there's not much faith that women will be able to build um, an organization to this level on their own. Um, so anyways, you hear that 95% of startups are failing and then you hear that, oh, a woman entrepreneur is trying to build something. There's not much faith out there, unfortunately. Um, so every time you're talking to people, I feel like you have to explain yourself 10 times more. Mm -hmm. um, you have to be way more confident when you're presenting yourself, when you're talking to investors. Uh, there's not enough faith. And it's unfortunate. It's sad. But at the same time, people like us are trying to break through that stigma, break through that barrier that, hey, women entrepreneurs cannot do it because they start questioning and these are real questions that I have got that oh so now you're going to get married then what will happen to the business now you're going to have a baby so what's going to happen to the business and I think each time these things happened I got married I still continued I got a baby I was called a mom entrepreneur and um, and things are still going on sure it came with its ups and downs I had to take a break I had to slow down and come back um, but I had to put a lot more belief in myself and my support systems had to put that much belief in me to allow me to uh, do this kind of work yeah. that I'm doing. Yeah. And uh, after all these questions, after everything, you're still, you're still thriving, you're still growing. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm hoping to grow more. As so what does the future of the mood space look like? Where do you guys want to go next? Uh, the future of the mood space is primarily focused on technology and building um, kind of finding that right balance that I was talking about with having that human touch for people where people are able to talk about mental health openly to our teams, but at the same time, leveraging technology 
to to make the process easy and seamless for people right mm-hmm. um therapy of course remains the core but uh, let's say you terminate therapy and you're done with therapy that's not the end of mental health mm-hmm. right every single human being deals with some form of anxiety in their life and our job is to be there as a part of their journey when they're dealing with that and once they are uh, let's say done with therapy there is still that sustenance maintenance phase where time from time to time there will be events in your life where you may need that kind of support so we want to be there to ensure that we're providing that entire range of services even post therapy mm-hmm. um so bringing in ai bringing in a matching algorithm that's going to help people get matched to therapists easily mm-hmm. because we also believe that there is a very high uh, premature uh, termination rate because people are choosing therapists based on their qualifications or they're choosing therapists based on oh this person looks nice on their picture so let me just go ahead with this therapist but therapy and mental health at the end of the day is about rapport building it's about trust um so we want to leverage technology we want to use uh, come up with our matching algorithms use ai to analyze data better to be able to serve the entire range of uh, mental health needs that people are going to come in with so very heavily focused on tech um and at the same time moving towards the corporate space that we want to move into yeah so i have a question for you because i think uh, like me you're also not a technical founder yeah um so how are you approaching the challenge of building this stack yeah um we're hiring people to give you a one line answer we're hiring people but my understanding is that expertise is needed way more than the tech to build a platform like this because uh, if i were to build an aggregator platform as a tech founder anyone can build an aggregator um, mm-hmm. just because you need to just kind of bring people together but when you're doing that with that level of expertise you're also bringing in quality you're also looking at other parameters that may not be looked at when you're building an aggregator so while my focus is that i also want to bring in the right tech people hopefully eventually have a cto co-founder come in who's going to help me build and scale up the business yeah so another thing you you touched upon i think a little earlier in the conversation is you're looking for funding um is there anything you'd like to share about maybe the numbers or the process or just generally talk about your journey to raising funding so so far the mood space has raised its uh, seed or you call it pre-seed round of funding um where we came in we got some professionals to come in and uh, we brought in about 3 crores at the moment uh, nice. the goal is that in the next year thank you the goal is that next year we go into our pre-series a round of funding where we want to bring in strategic partners who are bringing in some sort of expertise um for us whether mm-hmm. that's in the tech space or in the mental health space um so that's going to be the next round it's still in the works we're still figuring out um, how to go about it but we're looking at a timeline of about 8 months to bring in the next round and this round is then going to completely focus on us building an app uh, where the end to end journey is going to be completely um, uh, automated for people nice nice i think uh, i'm very excited to see that app yeah. i'm very excited to use that app and Uh, I'm sure there's really really big things in the future uh, for the mood space. Yeah, the the idea is to kind of build that Amazon for mental health where people are able to look at uh, anything they want in the mental health space and then think of the mood space that here you've got this. But again the core being the the therapy uh, part of it where we believe that every household needs it. every household wants it there are a lot of young professionals out there who are dealing with a lot of uh, concerns may not be intense uh, conditions or mental illnesses but even in their day to day functioning and if we can come in early on and bring in that preventive measure 
and that's what we want to do um yeah i really i actually really like that that uh, the way you phrase it the amazon for mental health yeah. i think uh, <laughs> i think that's going to be our title it's going to be a thumbnail and it's an it's a really nice way to put it the amazon of mental health yeah, yeah nice yeah. so um one really pertinent challenge that i can foresee with the mood space uh, and this is something i've noticed over the last year um you know living in india is that people sort of make religion and mental health the same thing yeah worried about exams go go pray unsure about you know whether you're going to get married or not go see a priest to do a ceremony mm. and and religion has filled a lot of the space that at least from my perspective should be filled by mental health yeah so how are you how is the mood space in in you personally do you think it's possible to break that association um and how are you guys going about that I personally don't think there's a need to completely break that association because religion definitely gives people that sense of structure and that's that I there's something that I I believe in um however maybe the older generations have taken it to the next level where they're not able to bifurcate between hey this is what religion can do for me and this is a real mental health concern um that is there and i need to do something about it i cannot say that hey religion is going to fix this and i feel that the younger generations are already somewhere trying to make that bifurcation in saying that this is my faith this is what i believe in but it does not necessarily mean that it's going to solve uh, the concerns and the issues that i'm dealing with in terms of my larger mental health concerns um so i feel like we're already breaking that with mm-hmm. moving forward um uh, it's very difficult to completely break that association and why should we right because our culture our religion in india people thrive on yeah. uh, on this uh, but it's important to have that level of self awareness that are you is there's a fine line between the two and do you have a good understanding of what that fine line is um and not kind of overlapping makes sense so i guess uh, the last question i i have for you um is that as as a successful health tech entrepreneur um i know that there's you know hundreds and thousands of other people that have been inspired by you know the entrepreneurial journey in india over the last two decades uh, and they're looking at health tech very seriously so what advice do you have for aspiring health tech entrepreneurs <laughs> um i think there is a lot of opportunity and there's a lot of growth out there um so the first thing i would say is do your research of the landscape in india because while there is a lot finding that niche and understanding that niche um is important before you dive into building a product um in the health tech space um and i think overall not just for health tech but in general um there's a higher need to prioritize self care there's a higher need to believe in yourself and and also having the right support system who's going to help you grow into this space um because building a health tech startup cannot be a one man job cannot be a one man army you need the right team you need the right people and to be able to do that there'll be a lot of challenges that you're going to deal with there's going to be a lot of mistakes that you're going to end up making through the process but if you have that right expertise the right research and the right people who believe in you um it will automatically help you believe in yourself as you move forward I think that's a that's a very very useful very pertinent answer mm-hmm. and uh, I'm really sure that a lot of the health tech entrepreneurs that we have watching this podcast will will certainly heed your advice. Mm-hmm. Um I guess on that note thank you so much for joining me on this thank podcast. Thank you Varun thank you for having me. It's uh, it's been a pleasure to hear about your journey and uh, I'm sure that there's a lot of good insight for for anybody watching this podcast. Thank you so much for joining us once again and we'll see you guys next week. Actually I have one question you mentioned that in India 
what a mentality of a person is like there's a problem in your life go pray so in the sense of like the mental health uh, what i have experienced i have not like searched for a therapist or anything i went on to an astrology app to see can i get this so like if you're developing an app and stuff you might have done that competitive benchmark benchmarking yeah. and that stuff so is it like bothering you like how many people you're going to use to the astrology apps to like talk to these pundits and stuff And this is an ever-growing market. Have you seen those apps, Astro Sage, Astro Sage? Yeah. Uh, but I just feel like because now people are talking about mental health, yeah. um, like celebrities are talking about. You said the years in the game, you saw yeah. uh, people talking about mental health. So the millennials, the younger generations, are more and more open to wanting to talk to people yeah. because what they're missing out on is sharing my life with you because I don't have anyone else to share my life with. And your therapist is right there. to listen to you to listen to anything that you want to come in and talk about yeah. Yeah. 25 to 35 tier one high income north of 15 lpa will reach out to therapists they won't go for astrology or religion they won't go for astrology so this is basically targeting hni like you have like some high net and and students i think students primarily are the ones the younger ones who are seeing the need to actually want to talk to people Right, there are people like there. There are clients that I have who've been with me for two, three years now. They pay five hundred, six hundred bucks for a session because students cannot afford more than that. Yeah. Right, they don't want a fifteen-minute quick fix. They actually want to talk. They want to be able to share their story. They want to understand themselves and get more insight into what am I doing? What is what am I thinking? What am I feeling? And that's the. Yeah, So tier two, tier three cities, it's going to be obviously a little harder to break through. Yeah. But tier one tier is already one, seeing tier this. Tier one will happen. Yeah. Tier one will happen. But, but this is not even like a US UK thing. This is a global thing. Globally, yeah. also mental health is, is not. Like, like a therapist in schools in India. Like, it's mandated now, in fact, to have. Second point, obviously, we didn't talk about it, is that there is no legal framework around this. There is no regulations around mental health. So if you've studied in the US. you're constantly hearing about how you need to be licensed to provide therapy anywhere but when you come to india you can take a 6 month coaching class and become a life coach really yeah you can be a life coach in 6 months and you can be doing the same things that i am doing so that awareness is not there that hey like i need to go to a qualified professional who's actually going to help me uh, deal with what i'm dealing with and there is no framework around this there was the mental health care act that was out but the implementation there's a lot of gaps in general in terms of what the government is Is doing. <laughs> I wish I put this as part of the podcast. No, I'm, I'm gonna put that. Yeah, yeah. You, you yeah. please. That's why I'm holding my mic also a little bit further. Please. I have one more point. There's a mandate to have a physical trainer in every school, a sports teacher. Yeah. yeah. So that like, that our school, our children, are fit, ready, skilled. Yeah. But the mental health, the depression part, which go to the eighth, ninth, tenth phase, and then the early teens. Like I have gone yeah. through that not far ago. So I still know like the things which I have experienced. I needed at that time some professional to talk. Yeah, yeah, because there's a lot of like exam pressure. There's a lot there's of exam. Stress. So and in in fact, it is mandatory by law that you need to have a counselor or a, uh, a psychologist on on board. But then the the ratio is too high. There's one therapist for fifteen hundred people. So there's yeah, there's yeah. no way that one person is going to be able to cater yeah. to those fifteen hundred people. But so th- that's also a cost economics thing, no? Like if you if you uh, in us schools are underfunded at, at scale and expensive also yeah so investing and investing more and more teachers is is an expense more is an staff expense. is an expense yeah. and get away with what you can get away with i guess is yeah. from 
school's philosophy. And the kind of concerns that people are dealing with, the kind of loneliness that is out there, the kind of anxieties, the kind of fears, especially post-COVID, there's been so much acceleration of the concerns. There's been a 35% increase in anxiety disorders, in depressive disorders. So, uh, not because it wasn't there and now it's there, it's because now people know about it. So, it's been being documented now. So, you're seeing a larger increase. Yeah, ma'am, this is still a bit of part of the answer, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine, but we should cut and slice and try and yeah, inject like this. Add it somehow or like uh, keep it as a bonus content after the actual podcast. Yeah, yeah, behind the scenes. 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 Yeah. I was like, cut to cut, trying to answer your questions. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it is what it is now. Yeah. We'll do this. We'll do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You know, it, uh, what we'll do, we'll do this once again, once you've picked up your pre-series A, and yeah. then, then we'll, we'll see, then yeah, we'll see. again, once yeah. more what that journey has been like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think I actually work better with a structure. So, I wasn't sure. Now I know. Now I know what now to expect. Know. So, yeah. Give you a Okay. Uh, sorry, guys. It turn, turns out that this, you know, we had some nice extra questions. Um, for those of you all that have that have stuck for the bonus, the bonus uh, bit of the podcast. Thanks, thanks for staying around, and uh, I'm sure you found this extra bit of the conversation useful as well. Thanks, and we'll see you guys next week.